Welcome everybody to episode 153 of the Dawson D Show and today we welcome a very special guest. Our guest today is an Ironman Series champ, a five-time world paddleboard champion and world record holder. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Matt Bevilacqua. Matt joined us on the Gold Coast for a super fun and in-depth chat about his life and career. We got to hear about his unorthodox entry into the Ironman sport. Growing up in Tassie and loving his footy, it was an unusual apprenticeship and in some ways accidental entry before eventually becoming the first Tasmanian to win the Gatta Gold. Matt shared all the secrets to his success, some hilarious behind-the-scenes stories as well as the reality of competing in such a gruelling sport and the crazy training loads. But outside of his professionalism, we got a great insight into Matt away from the sport. From his love of AFL to his crazy travel experiences and even a stint on Australian Ninja Warrior, there was just so many great moments of this podcast. So guys, hit that subscribe button, follow us on socials, and remember you can watch this full podcast on YouTube too. So enjoy our chat with the great Matt Bevilacqua. Doss, I am so excited right now because we have absolute royalty in the building with us in the in the paddleboarding space, in the Ironman space. Matt Bevilacqua, welcome to the Doss and D Show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Mate, that rolled off the tongue really well. Oh, I've been well practicing. Done. I've been practicing. <laughs> yeah, to, to explain how you've been practicing. What's it called? Is it phonetically? Is that what they say when you break down words and clap? You're, you've got a teaching degree, Matt. Is that, is that how you teach <laughs> yeah, English? Yeah, I think so. Is, yeah. that, is that how you break it up into syllables? So yeah. yeah. Is that, I think, yeah. You have so, to guess the number of syllables. I just said half, but Bevel Aqua. But Bevel you know, Aqua. Yeah. I was actually trying the Jezelenko, you beauty. I was going, <laughs> Bevel Aqua, you beauty all morning. Yeah, he so, was actually. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Thanks, man. Excited to be here. Listened to a few of your episodes so far. Appreciate it. Top the hundred. You've gone past 150 now. Yeah, That's we have. What are we at? 152. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, or, or maybe a bit more now. Yeah. So, but mate, you, well, you've done a couple of potties in your time. I, we, we hope you haven't given away all your stories. We want, <laughs> we want a couple of untold exclusives, exclusives right now. But, um, mate, you've got a really unique story. Obviously, you're, you're born and bred in Tassie, but now up here in the in the sunshine, which. Um, we must say, every time we come up here, we love it. Oh, yeah. I mean, comparing Tassie to here, I'm sure Tassie will always be home, but you're loving life up here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a massive move back in the day after year 12, but surf Ironmans, or the Holy Grail's up here on the Gold Coast, so lots of surf clubs, one every 200 metres, big elite elite squads at each club, and yeah, it was, um, it was, yeah, I had to make the move. So, yeah, enjoying the sunshine now. It's a beautiful lifestyle up here and you're, you're close by it, Dawson. Mate, it's the best. Yeah. I love it. Well, it, Garni's dad, well, the shit, Garni's uh, my partner and she's a videographer for us today. Her dad asked me all the time, can you see yourself living up here? And I, I said, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll just have to convince this bloke to, to well, come live like, up here. Like, yeah, I said to my girlfriend yesterday too, I said, I just feel so <laughs> relaxed. I feel like like we're here for a working few days. I'm like, I feel like I'm on holiday just because the sun's out because Melbourne's so miserable at the moment. But... Matt, let's wind it back a little bit to, to the start of your story. Tell us about Tasmania, where you grew up and, and we'll kind of work our way through through your life. Yeah, beautiful state, Tassie. Um, I lived outside of Hobart in um, a place called Lauderdale Beach. Clifton Beach was my home just outside of that suburb. That's one of the only two surf clubs south of Tassie, in the south of Tassie. And it's the southernmost surf club in the world. So we call ourselves wow. the polar bears. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> far away from Antarctica and... Yeah, the water doesn't get above 16 in the middle of summer. So, oh. so it's, it was a weird sport to get stuck with. Like I was saying off air to you boys, um, AFL was my first love. Just loved it. Played it all the way through till I was 16 and didn't quite have that fast twitch muscle fibers or anything to really push into, you know, keep going. So just love the beach as well. Love what the ocean had to offer. 
I had a bit of an endurance, you know, natural ability. So, yeah, I don't know. I just followed my passions, you know, and I think, yeah, that's probably the reason why I've been able to improve so much over the years is because of that passion. And if you love it in Tassie, when you're doing it up here on the Gold Coast in winter nights like this, it's still just absolutely so easy. So, yeah, the work's been easy. How, how do you, I mean, when you say you're comparing here to Tassie, but to find this sport, which is very niche, in Tassie in particular, I'm sure, being the weather, but how, how do you find it and then committing to it going from footy? Was it, I guess, uh, something triggering your mind? Going, I'm not going to play AFL. I need to focus on this. How did you find this? Yeah, it's it's a weird one and it's something like what, like we are talking about going to uni or finishing school. You you, you want to chase your passions, right, and you want to find something that you really enjoy and it's, it's a hard thing and I look back on it now. You know, I'm 31 now. You know, if 16 when I was choosing not to play AFL, I wasn't dreaming of becoming a champion at Ironman. You know, it was just one step in front of the other, one small decision after the next following that really weird path that everyone takes to find what you actually want to do. So, yeah, at 16, I made a huge one. It's probably the biggest decision even since then throughout my whole life. It was that to say, no, I'm not going to play AFL. I'm not going to do anything else other than do Ironman. And it wasn't because I wasn't going to be a professional Ironman. Like, I would have laughed at you. But I wanted to focus on my ski paddling, which is like the kayak. I wanted to focus on my board paddling. I wanted to focus on my swimming and my running just to see if I could win a state title in Tassie. You know, mm, like, wow. and that was just a small step. And then at 18, another huge one was, all right, I've got, to, I've got to go. I've got to have my gap year on the Sunshine Coast and see if I can train with these guys. And I was still at the back of that squad, you know, in Queensland, like absolutely terrible, you know. But so, but I was making the decisions because they were, because they were passions, you know. I still yeah. loved it. And like I moved in with some boys on the Sunny Coast. It was a bit like, you know, going to uni, but I was, but I was in an Ironman Academy. Yeah. Um, so like, there would have been a mischief, a bit of mischief, I'm oh, sure. Mate, yeah, yeah. I moved in with Matt Poole. He was just getting sponsored by Red Bull at the time. He had the pink hair. He was dating Countess Falzon. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a riot. Did you get a, a few free Red Bulls? Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, heaps of free Red Bulls. <laughs> yeah. I used to. I would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had the body science. He had Nutrigains. He had all the Kellogg cereals. Cocoa Pops, you know, yeah. everything in the cupboard. So, yeah, I was trying to eat as much as that to save money. <laughs> yeah, as sure. Well, we brought to get into the Nutrigain later yeah, on. Yeah, but yeah. Um, just going back to Tassie for a second, when you're about 16 years old and you're playing footy, outside of fo- football, and we do want to touch on footy a bit later on, but what are your passions at that stage? What do you do as a 16-year-old Tassie boy? Like in those days, what do you do on the weekend? Yeah, I, I wasn't the most – like I was very disciplined. Yeah, I, was, I'm not, I wasn't boring but I was quite disciplined. I st- studied v- rigorously. Yeah. I was tri- striving to get into medicine. So I ended up getting an ATAR of 96 and wow. missed the um, – wow. missed the uh, like the undergrad – the UMAT test. So just missed that. Did my gap year on the sunny coast to redo that UMAT test to make sure I go back and do medicine in Tassie but – by the time I'd, yeah, smashed that UMAT in my gap year, I'd already fallen in love again, you know, after following that passion course and didn't want to go back home. So, yeah, I was very studious when I was 16, just loved training and, like, I still had a fair few beers and stuff as yeah. well, but turning, getting into 18. But, um, yeah, I really had a passion for pushing myself, for winning those Tasmanian State Ironman titles and just the people you meet along the way in this sport it's a bit like a, it's a, I don't want to call it a cult but um you have a massive like family yeah. within that sport I know in AFL you have your club and your team but you're an individual in this sport but you have clubs and like volunteers and you know you're saving lives on the weekend and it's got this atmosphere that's very unique so that kind of 
you know, you use all your time in that. Yeah. You're in the pool with them in the mornings. You're bored or ski training at the surf club in the afternoons and then you're running and stuff as well. So it's very inclusive. At 16, you must have felt like the king though because you were the youngest to ever win that, that Tassie Ironman. What was it like going to school, you know, when, when you're the man who's beaten all the men, you know, in this open oh. open um, Ironman? What was that like? That one must have felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. I've got a memory actually. I'm very embarrassed by it because my teacher, I was on the back, full back page like it was just the whole – top to bottom oh, winning super that title when I was 16. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, she, she put it up in front of the class. It was in religion, I remember. And, um, <laughs> and I was so oh embarrassed God. that I walked up and I was like shaking my head. It was a bit of tongue in cheek, but I scrunched it up yeah, and threw it in yeah, the yeah, bin. Yeah. And I was really, I look back at it now, I was like, I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I was more just like, thank you. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah that was one of my earliest memories and actually won the uh I've got a funny story, the housemate stories you were mentioning yesterday. I won the best and fairest that year, that last year that I played AFL. And it was only by like a point over Hugh Greenwood, who'd only played like five games that year, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> he'd been in and out of basketball, basketball and yeah. stuff. So um, still pipped him, you know, with yeah. 24 <laughs> games or whatever. But um, Wait, wins, you've got it. To win. You've got it. <laughs> so got the got the white Sharon Jetstar ball and... Um, yeah, it was it was a good it was a good year back then. Um, you know, setting, like I said, I was very driven, very like I trained super hard, had these crazy dreams that little Tasmanian kids shouldn't have. So yeah, but like you like you talk about mindset, and it's I can't imagine it. Like for example, like you mentioned how cold the water is, but now in the winter time, how I don't even know even how to frame this question. But how do you physically and mentally make yourself do this? Like, how, what was your routine? And how did you stick by it? Yeah, it was it was incredibly tough. Um, I, I remember I used to wake up um, at Dad's place in Lauderdale and um, go outside to put the ski on the roof to go down to like we used to paddle in the canals. You couldn't really go in the ocean because it get too much wind. Okay. So we go in the canals, and I'd have to get the hose and wipe, wash the ice off the ski before I put it on the roof. Oh. And, and are, are we talking like five a.m.? We're talking five a.m. Yeah. yeah, I think we were on the water at five thirty, train till six thirty, and then try and make it to school. So how many yeah, days a week? Well, oh. like in the ski sessions would probably only be those ones for only twice a week, okay. but then I'd be in the pool with the four others. So Swimming, yeah. Yeah, the swimming was where we could actually get some work done yeah. like compared to the mainlanders because like it just... Control was, the environment in the pool. Exactly, yeah. We yeah. could swim indoors. We're still outdoor pools up here. Yeah. You know, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the ski paddling was something we could do. Board paddling obviously was too hard. You had to touch the ocean, which was just too cold. So we couldn't really do that until summertime. So those winter years were, you know, they were tough and... I think the reason why I've been able to be successful is because I did that apprenticeship super tough, like yeah. harder than anything else I've ever encountered, like in my professional career. Yeah, and I still like kind of live to the the motto that you, when you overcome those really tough moments or those tough weeks or sessions, it's it's all bank in it's all bank. Yeah, you, you never you never like you never have to go through that level again you've leveled up to a point where that's that's toughness that you'll ne never have to get back again and you just keep going up from there so. and also well i know Dee says this is like you never feel bad after a workout or any session do you, you like you mentally you, you mean yeah mentally yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. don't want to do it but then you do it and you're like well i feel amazing oh absolutely the the higher you get from just training like we train up to 16 sessions a week just the high you get all day, you know, like you finish yeah, a session, course. you finish a session. It doesn't, it doesn't lessen, you know, like you just, yeah, it's, it's an incredible, I'm so lucky to be a professional athlete, get to do exercise for a living, but then you drop into your off season and you stop training and you just realize how mm. important it is or, yeah. you know, building back into it. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to train this week. I still, I still have time. 
And it's just like, I don't feel good. You know, I haven't trained at all this week. Like you need to do like the bare minimum human needs to do is two or three sessions a week. You know, mm. otherwise you, it's, you can't sleep. I don't, I struggle to sleep. You know, I, yeah. I, I find just being a professional athlete, you realize how important it is to all the little things, being able to sleep, making yourself hungry for the right foods, you know. Yeah. You can just fuel your body on nothing if you're not yeah. doing enough. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. You you mentioned like that apprenticeship or the banking, which I really like that that analogy. Um, and a lot of AFL players, going back to an, a, an AFL analogy, like Chris Chard, I remember him saying like he would, when at his like absolute peak, his confidence would be he'd walk up to his opponent and he knew that he'd done more work than him. He's run more, he's done more sessions, he's he's and he, he already felt I've already won. Even these days now, when you line up and you look across at your competitors, do you know, like based on that apprenticeship and all those hours and the things mm-hmm. that they did not do, maybe just because of their environment, do you have that mental edge and think I've kind of got them covered? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's that confidence, but sure. I, I see what he's saying. And especially earlier on in my career, I was so nervous. You know, I was this little kid from Tassie who maybe the first year when I broke into the Ironman series, I was just so riddled with nerves. And the one thing that I became to that really gave solace to me was going to that line knowing I couldn't have done anything more. Like I definitely yeah. wasn't the best there, uh, but every single moment of that 16 weeks or 20 week preparation, I'd just given my all to every session. So like unless I'd undertrained and, you know, two or three sessions a day wasn't enough, I'd done everything. I'd done everything my coach said. I'd gone to every session. I'd given it my all. I don't think I missed sessions for years. I was quite obsessed, especially mm. in that apprenticeship years yeah. from, you know, 18 to 21, 16, you know, around there, leaving Tassie and then going to that um, that academy in Sunshine Coast. Yeah, you just have this, yeah, you're not nervous because w- yeah. what more can you do? You, you'll give it your best there. Like you'll hurt yourself. You're, <laughs> you've got cameras on, there's adrenaline. Yeah. When you get to a race, like my partner's racing the marathon this weekend, you know, it's just you, you'll you'll – goes so much faster than what you think. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, but I only ran five thirty pace for this for the nineteen k last week. I'm like, you you'll be fresh, you'll be tapered, yeah. and you'll have a beer bind, and you'll have people cheer. Like, it's, yeah, crowd. You can't explain. Once you've done the prep, you put your foot on the line, you lift to a level you wouldn't believe, and that's why these champions are so good. It's because mentally, physically, and then performance, boom. Yeah. So for for the people listening that don't know, I guess what an Ironman is. Can you just strip it back to basics a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's a swim. It's a board, which is a paddle board on your stomach or your knees. Uh, surf ski, which is like a kayak in the surf. And then a run. So we have a few different formats. We have an endurance format, which is called the Coolangatta Gold, which was made famous by the movie back back in the day. Um, I haven't seen that. Yeah, you'll have to give it yeah. a look. It's on VHS. But is it? <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to find it on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. Yeah, but uh, really cool movie. Yeah, yeah Guy Leach won it. He's an, he's an old Ironman from the Uncle Toby's days. But so, uh, yeah, the endurance Ironman, four hours. You're about two hours on the ski, an hour swim, an hour board, like an hour run kind of thing. And then we've got our Nutrigrain Ironman series, which is six rounds over the, over Australia, run around six different locations different formats um 45 minutes is kind of the televised you know duration and then the girls come on yeah so yeah and then we finish off with our national titles which is where we put the clubby cup on i race for Northcliffe surf club on the gold coast and uh yeah we race a little bit shorter format so the ironman's only like 10 to 12 minutes long oh really yeah, yeah so we have this really like varied like we have obviously four different disciplines like more than triathlon 
And then we've got these crazy different distances, which triathlon yeah. have as well. But, you know, the Kulangata goal being four hours, Nutrigo Ironman series, 50 minutes, and then your Australian titles are very sprinty. So yeah. lots of different champions at each one. Lots of people like have to, you know, we have to really change up our energy systems throughout that October to March period over the summer um, to adapt for gotcha. different styles of racing. Yeah. Out of the various disciplines, which one have you had to put your most time into? What's, your, what's the weakest one that you've, <laughs> over the years of accumulation, what's the one that you've put the most hours of rep in? Yeah, good question. So um, uh, the reason why I, d I didn't continue down the AFL pathway because that was a massive passion. I just didn't have that fast that fast twitch speed, so 10-metre yeah. speed, like had endurance kind of. But, um, yeah, so the Australian title, the 10-minute, 12-minute race, that's that's the one that I've always struggled with. Got a couple of medals, but, um, yeah, <laughs> never been able to win it. So I've, I've won a couple of Nutrigone Ironman series, won lots of rounds within those, and then um, I've won a cool and got a gold as well, but I've never won the Australian title. So that's kind of our big three in the sport. Yep. There's only been, you know, three maybe yeah. Ironman, four maybe that have done all three. Right. So. Yeah, that's the goal for the next couple of years for sure. Who who were your idols growing up? And, and let, let's go like, let's go anyone. Let's go footy. Let's go anyone. And now in this sport you do now, was there someone in particular that you just loved watching? Uh, yeah. So I remember, well, first off, my, my grandfather's a massive mentor for me. He, he coached under John Coleman at Essendon and he played a game for Colton and stuff. So he's very... Um, He's very, he's just still so switched on. Like he's 90. Wow. He's 90 on the weekend. Wow. And um, yeah, just always what, picking what's his up name? the phone. Peter Bevelacqua, his name is. Always picking up the phone, you know, just diving into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Like still. <laughs> wow. And it's just insane. Like I'm kind of blown away putting him on speaker so my partner can listen. I'm like, <laughs> is this real? Yeah. You know, he's like, how, like you know. Like dissecting you your performance. Recovery. Oh, dissecting wow. my performance but also recovery, preparation. Did you do anything different? You know, you look like you're lacking a bit of, you know, speed here where you're normally transitioning really fast, stuff like that. That's at, incredible. At 90. It's a sport that he doesn't wow. know, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Around. He's like, I suppose he does know I'm out well now after a few years. But, yeah, so he's been an incredible mentor, you know, like just the grand, very hands-on grandfather playing chess all throughout my kid when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> things like that. But um, Joe Watson, when I was when I was younger, yeah. um, just a, a captain that had, didn't have that fast twitch speed either, but generated himself, trained him to train himself to be good, and um, just a really good leader. And then obviously throughout the later period, a leader during a tough time. So yeah. that he was um, he was inspirational. Mick Fanning, uh, I remember reading his book. I was wasn't locked on to surfing too early, but um, yeah, reading his book towards the later end of his career and just realising what he had to go through and losing his brother, things like that. So, um, yeah, him and then obviously like the Ironman heroes like Kai Hurst, he was just like the king. Yeah. Um, smooth talker, great looking fella and just like just could do no wrong in my yeah. eyes. So um, good mates with him now actually, which is strange. Oh, how good's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just went to Morton Island on the weekend together. So. Oh, cool. But yeah, growing yeah. up he was he was 16 years old when he made the Uncle Toby's and like started winning rounds when he was 16, beating guys like Trevor Hendy and stuff. So, wow. yeah, he's got a really cool story and, um, yeah, it's um, been a wild ride meeting a lot of those guys and, yeah, it's cool. He, he, loved, he loved Joe Watson too, didn't Joe he? Joe was my hero yeah. too, yeah. yeah. It's hard, looking yeah. back on it because I only really – it was a long time ago yeah. being inspired by him. It's hard to put my finger on exactly why but I remember – like Joe was on my wallpaper. Like yeah, yeah. Kind of same with me. Yeah. Yeah. My phone background for ages. Yeah. Oh. And he's a Sane supporter as well. Yeah. You know? I don't know why, but yeah. yeah. There you but, go. But Something. what about your parents? Did they push you either as an athlete, but also 
you're obviously dominated academically much much better than we did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what, what was it, 96? That's, <laughs> well, oh, that's insane, mate. What yeah. were your parents like in terms of, were they pushy parents or were they very much go with the flow? Did they leave you to your own devices? What, what, how did they uh, oh, as, as you can expect, they'd probably go with the flow. And uh, yeah. like you, you, you see kids um, initially very successful that are forced to do it or, you know, sure. they've got the talent and they're told to go. But, yeah, I was very lucky to have incredibly like not supported. They didn't even like they supported me taking me to sessions, but they didn't make me go. They didn't support me to the point where I felt like I couldn't go. You know, they were just, yeah, chase this, do this, you know, try karate, try AFL. Yeah, we can take you to club surf club, but you know, you've got to make these decisions or if you're making a mistake, let that happen as well. Yeah, just just really, really cool parents. So massive, massive reason why I was able to do what I could do. And with leaving Tassie, they were like, you got to go. You know, yeah. you're going to have a gap here. You're not doing it in Tassie. You know, yeah. you're going and you're doing something. And I'm like, well, I could do this. But yeah, we'll go do that then. So awesome. um, yeah, very lucky. I must admit, for a guy, into, you you must you're tan. It's you look, it's, it's, it's Gold Coast tan. It literally yeah. is a perfect like in terms of like for a Gold Coast. What a person, you, the Gold Coast. We, we don't like. we don't ever judge a person by the image. Photos when I just <laughs> but, yeah. but you you you've you're, you've got the picture of Gold Coast bloke. Like you've got the blonde hair. <laughs> I imagine the women listening to this. I mean, were they the academic the, the academic side you've as well? Got a partner, so yeah, I know that. Yeah. I'm just saying they, yeah. they'll be very excited. But uh, yeah, I mean the training and I'm a. Gold Coaster now. Yeah, it's Taz, Tazzy's. Uh, Do you get back? Bitterly cold now that I go back there. Do you get I go back? Back. Yeah, 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 yeah. Most summers I'll get back at least once, and I normally go for dark mofo around this time of year as well. Yeah. But wasn't able to this year. But uh, yeah, definitely um, acclimatized. Can't jump in the water down there. Just yeah. Oh really? Bitterly cold. But we went back down there for the Clifton Beach annual dinner because they won the club championship this year in Tassie, and just a wholesome club community. All still the same people there, volunteering on the beaches, coaching the squads. Lots of kids that are very talented at Ironman yeah. racing that, you know, probably will take the next step and leave over the next couple of years to join clubs like Northcliffe or, you know, anywhere. So Ever thought of doing try? Like is it, is it, is it, I'm sure you get asked that like, yeah. and you've probably got mates that do it. Mm. But, you know, it's a totally different kettle of fish. But would you do it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I retire, it's something that um, I'll look at. Uh, a lot of lot of the endurance guys going to like half Ironman because that's the four-hour distance that kind of is attributed to our Coolangatta Gold. So Josh Minogue, one of my good mates, he, he won the Coolangatta Gold a few years ago and he's he's done a few Ironmans. So, yeah, the longer side of things is probably what you could have a go at. But I don't know. There's a lot of things in our sport that you can chase as well. So the ocean ski paddling, yep. that's a massive worldwide series. The South Africans are really good at it. I just did the Molokai race, the 52-kilometer ocean ski race, so I might transition into that when I retire. But yeah, it's a lot of lot of Ks, yeah, and, um, lot lot more swimming and biking that I kind of want to steer away from. <laughs> yeah. so before on the black line for like 15 years now. Can't think of anything worse than riding a bike, mate. Oh, oh yeah. no, yeah. What what is? Time. We got some fan questions we're going to get into later on in the pod, but a lot of them that. From based on profile pics and stuff, a lot of them seem to be like in little nippers, or they might be, you know, kids. Oh, yeah, and cool. they're, and I'm just interested for those kind of people that are listening that may have ambition. What's the pathway for your sport? And if you're a parent listening, like, and your kids got some kind of ambition, how do you actually direct them down the path to potentially one day, yeah, be professional? Yeah, well, it's uh, the sports in a really cool place at the moment. The Shoreham Part- Partners have come on board with this this series that is all around Australia, similar to the Nutrigrain Ironman series, but it's for all age groups, all events, and, uh, yeah, it's it's an all-inclusive series. So you basically get your kids into nippers and they go they go all the way from under-8s to under-15s when they get into seniors and they'll, they'll dive into a squad that I'm in, you know, a senior 
senior surf sports squad and and then you can go and travel to competitions. So Sean Partners put this on for all age groups, big prize money for these under 15s, under yeah. 17 kids. Yeah, wow. they can make some coin and <laughs> um, race around our, you know, like our course and, you know, rub shoulders with us, which is cool. So. That's real. See, that's that's unique, I'd I'd say to most sports. Oh, it's, it's absolutely incredible. There's a yeah. million dollars prize money in the Sean Partners Summer Surf Series this wow. year. So yeah, we've um we ran that last year on seven plus, and then wow. you've got your elite Nutrigrain Ironman series to to partner up with that. So lot of opportunities in the sport and and you go down to your surf club and you like i said it's like a family it's a really wholesome atmosphere with you know you're obviously lifeguarding your lifesavers on the weekends yeah and you're pairing up with your mate and you save lives you do like if you if you go down to surfers paradise and you're a nipper these kids save lives like every day that's amazing it's it's, it's yeah it's a really dangerous beach and the patrols are saturday and sunday over summer all summer long okay. so yeah, you're only got a crew of 10, you'll eventually, yeah, you'll be swimming out and using your skills to save yeah. lives. So wow. it's a really unique portion of our sport. It's not just a sport. It's, you know, we have foundations of essential service and things like that. So it's yeah. cool. So over the last probably few years since turning professional, you must, be, you must have at one stage just been drowning in Nutrigrain. <laughs> you know, like uh, mates giving them out free boxes and, you know, can you sort me out? What, what was that like, I guess, being <laughs> on the box at one stage? That's and, unbelievable. And, yeah, and, and being sponsored by these big companies. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's unreal and, like, I can't, uh, I'm not, I can't be more grateful for Nutrigrain for supporting the sport in the way they have over, you know, 35 years and, and continuing. So... Their, their brand just it's symbolic of our sport is, you know yeah. Ironman food and it's massive it's got the it's the only cereal with a high amount of protein so a touch a bit of sugar there but more than you would have in your jam on toast so <laughs> you know no more so you know it's um it's great and we've built this you know synergy that we can help them they help us you know it's their high Kellogg's highest selling cereal for a reason you know these yeah. kids love to eat it it's a bloody it, good cereal it, it is, fills yeah. them up you know yeah. like it's it's good so you know, it's a three yeah. protein shake in there and yeah, I've had some really cool adventures. We've towed in with a helicopter over in just off Queenstown in New Zealand. We've surfed ship stands on a paddleboard and just done some cool stuff to get the brand out there. Yeah, that's sick. It's been a fun ride. We've been over to California and done a reality TV series as well. What so was that? It's called Deep Water. Yeah, we went, six of us went over there. Kai was one of them, Ali Day. And we, we toured two weeks through California doing these crazy challenges and stuff. They're on YouTube. It's quite What, quite what was cool. some of the... Yeah, give us some of these come challenges. On. Well, one and we'll we, throw the link in there too. But yeah. Yeah. One, we went to Vegas and um, me and Kai had a fun night in Vegas actually. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, the, the, that day we had the challenge. Um, they took us into the desert and you had to climb a rock face as quick as you could. And we did it all individually. You didn't see how other people went. And then we had a 10-kilometer time trial sprint in the middle of the Vegas desert. So it was wow. like 45 degrees. I'm not kidding. It was like 45. I remember that day. And um, Holy shit. anyway, I was off like second last in this stupid run. I was so <laughs> I was just I was I was only 20 when I went and I was still kind of had that Tazzy charm. And these guys yeah. were like in the Oh, you were peak. really young. Yeah, yeah, I was the youngest yeah. there. Yeah. And I was just Too young I to even just fun. made the series. Like I was no good. Like oh, I'd only really? just scraped in and they because I was from Tassie, they kind of neutral. I'm like, yeah, let's call him up and get him. Give me. There's a, a story in there for the show. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And uh, yeah, so we just did this 10 kilometer run in the <laughs> desert. And Ali Day was the fittest at the time. He got lost and like came back to the line kicking and screaming. It was just, it was a great show. And anyway, um, we're standing there, and my mate Pooley, um, who I was housemates with and stuff, he was just standing there swaying in front of the cameras. 
And I was like, what's he swaying for? And then he just went bang and dropped. <gasps> dropped passed out. <laughs> passed oh, out. Yeah. Hit the deck and was like, it, he wasn't conscious. We rushed him to hospital. Dehydrated. Dehydration and just, yeah, knackered. And we, um, <laughs> he, anyway, we, we had a few, we were having a few beers that night. They couldn't stop us. We were too excited. Mate, you're in Vegas. We were staying yeah. at the, um, starts with A, the, R, the oh, I forget it. You know Vegas. Beautiful, beautiful hotel. Yeah. No, not for Not Caesars, not Planet Hollywood. Not Aria uh, or something. Oh, yeah. No, wasn't circus circus, no. No. <laughs> no. but it, you're only he's twenty. So yeah, twenty one's legal age in America. Yeah, so. no, it must have been twenty one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 21. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, and then um, yeah, we were already a few beers deep, and Paulie came back. He just had a couple of IV bag grips into his arm and stuff. We handed him a beer. Get yeah, your beer. Yeah, back, yeah. In, back in the gear. You're mate. good now. You've had a better prep than we have. Yeah, so. oh, that's hilarious. So yeah, it's a great show. Lots of the kids online would have seen that. Um, yeah. on on YouTube. So. Very lucky. Mm. Yeah. We'll put the link in there too. Yep. In terms of travel, where else has the sport taken you across the world and what are some of the crazy experiences in doing what you do? Throughout the winter, I do a Hawaiian paddleboard race. So they have this distance from this island of Molokai over to Oahu near Waikiki. So that channel that separates the islands is called the Channel of Bones, the okay. Molokai to Oahu um, race, we call it. So you can do that on paddleboard or you can do it on ocean ski. There's also like OC1, you know, the Arriga Canoes. They do it on stand-up. They do it on six-person pe- six outrigger. Stand-up. Stand-up wow. paddleboards. Wow. And they foil it. So Kyle and he like foils it in like bloody two hours or something. Oh. But, um, the foil, foil, they're those other boards with the, just the things under, foil isn't with it? The wing, yeah, underneath yeah. and they surf without the actual surface. Yeah, that's weird. Underwater. I always, yeah. we've seen a few of those. I find them so interesting. It's fully Have you tried addictive it? apparently. No, I haven't tried <laughs> it. But once you, once you get up and fly on that board without friction and you go so fast and it's addictive. Apparently, you just you're hooked. You yeah, never okay. want to stop trying yeah. to get better at it. <laughs> have you seen them? No, yeah, I don't really, think I have. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah you'll see them at Kingscliff a lot because yeah. they, yeah, the point there is beautiful for it. But anyway, fell in. I love my paddleboarding. It's probably my strongest discipline in the sport. Yeah. And when I was 22, 23, I decided to go to Hawaii and try that paddleboard race. Ended up winning it five years in a row, and I've got like two of the fastest times ever at wow. that event. And so, yeah, you're the record holder aren't you yeah. yeah 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 so love that race beautiful like energy to do with it you'll hear people talk about anyone who's crossed that channel understands the just how inferior you feel in the middle of that 52 kilometer stretch of ocean you don't see anyone around you you don't see the island that you're going to it's just you and just trying to finish it you know it's not about winning it's yeah. like yeah it's a really cool race so Hawaii, I've been to Worlds in France. We race Worlds every two years. And That's lots cool. Of, yeah, lots of European clubs, South African clubs, the US lifeguards all co- come and compete. Do you we enjoy traveling? Spain and stuff last year. The oh, Spanish cool. love, love, love Ironman racing. And yeah, we went over to Valencia and did a competition over there and saw a few of the clubs in south of France in Bayritz and Hosuga. Hosuga have a really strong surf lifesaving club. So, yeah. Have you ever been to like Costa Rica or that part of the world, the real surfy kind of? No, <laughs> no, I'd love to though. South America is 100% on my, on my list. So, can't wait to get over there. But not a whole lot of surf clubs down there. Yeah, okay. I'd like to go and just surf there though. Yeah. yeah. As a, now that you've told us you've done a lot of traveling, have you got a, a a couple of traveling stories, like something where maybe something went wrong in traveling or something that was, or a time where you were just shocked. You got overseas as a young bloke and you were like, holy shit, this is a big shock from from being in a small town in Tassie, you know? Yeah, well, not really. The logistics of that paddleboard race is insane and a massive financial commitment. When I was 22, I'd only just made the series, like I said, and I got like third in my last race, which got me a bit of prize money to really get above like yeah. where I was like just living day to day. And, uh, yeah, just 
pour that passion back into into making that paddleboard race. So you got to, you know, get a eighteen foot. We paddle these eighteen foot paddleboards. Had to buy one of them. Get it over to Hawaii. Get it over to this deserted island to paddle it back. You know, the Hawaiians are all in Hawaiian time. You know, they're yeah. chilling. Yeah. And they're going, <laughs> I need to win this race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, lots of lots of crazy stories with that. Just being yeah. stuck in the middle of nowhere, not oh. being able to call anyone. And, yeah. Recently, we went over to Valencia and we had a few beers the night before the race and we were really pushing it. We thought we were going to get beaten by these Spanish guys. <laughs> we, and they thought they had us too. They're like, yes, because they were getting us into the beers. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah. all together, not for like... Yeah, yeah. Well, well, yeah, me and I took one of the young Groms from New Zealand, Joe Collins. He, we, took, we, we both went over and he's not young. He's 21. Oh, that's young. But yeah, yeah, yeah it's young. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, they were getting us because they're just, you know, Spanish summer, they just love you know, drinking and socialising. Yeah. They're up till the pubs don't, like, it's not night time till like 10, 30, 11. Yeah, like, okay. seriously. Yeah. And the, the clubs open at like three. Yeah. It's insane. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we were just kind of going with the flow and just singing, we need a race. Like, these guys are just, you know. And, and then just handing you drinks. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, yeah, one of our mates took it a bit too far and <laughs> went for a swim at like 4 a.m. that morning. Came back to his gear and you can't you can't leave your stuff on the oh, beach no. in Valencia and Barcelona. Oh, it's just the yeah. biggest pickpocket cities in the world. So we came down at like we came down at like nine thirty, ten o'clock to race the next morning. We'd had a few hours sleep. He was walking around with a towel around his waist. Goes, boys, thank God you guys are here. Um, I can't find my gear. You know, it's got to be around here somewhere. And we're like, what do you mean? You left it on the beach? All gone. Passport, yeah. phone, wallet, all of it gone. Oh, oh, passport, passport gone. Oh, he had no. his phone. He had his passport for his ID. Anyway, we we're finishing up the competition, oh, going to White I'm sorry, but that's oh, come on, rookie mate. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, it was full. Mate, we went to England a couple of years ago, mate. Uh, I'm not joking. Everywhere I went, I had my passport. You know, we went into nightclubs. I had it in my sock. Oh, like, right. Even had my hard drive in one of my pockets as well. I was like, I'm not losing either of those things. Yeah, you know? yeah. hostel, yeah. Yeah. The minute you touch your passport when you're overseas, you're like, oh my God. Oh, like, where, yeah. am I, where is this going? It's my biggest. <laughs> well, he nearly, biggest, he nearly yeah. left it at Melbourne Airport that night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, you mentioned like getting the board to Hawaii, for example. So financially, what does that look like? Well, maybe even broader, let's talk about the financial aspect of the sport. How mm. do you fund yourself, especially if you're a young kid coming up before you kind of get to the level you're at? Mm. How do you fund all this? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question because like lots of modern day jobs these days, you know, like developing a podcast or, you yeah. know, chasing these entrepreneurial opportunities that weren't available a few years ago. Everyone's like, oh, how do you make money? And it's like, First of all, you need to just chase that passion and what, what will be will work itself out and don't be afraid to put yourself redlining because it does, things do work out, you know what mm. I mean? So the risk does normally earn reward, especially if you're chasing it for the right reasons, the right passions. But for me, yeah, so contracts from sponsors make up probably half of my income sure. depending on how good the prize money goes. So the prize money is stacked on top of that with incentives sometimes associated with the contracts. and uh, So, sorry, contracts with the brand? That contracts with the brands, Okay, yeah. and they yeah. have incentive if you say win? Correct. Gotcha, okay. Yes, yeah, so performance incentives. Um, so if I win the Ironman series or if I win a round in the Ironman series, um, the Shoreham Partners Summer Surf, if I win specific events in there, they'll, you know, just give me a little bonus or something like that. Yeah. They'll stop the, top, top up the contracts so the wins are good because you get the prize money and then you possibly get incentives yeah. as well yeah you don't have to share this but what are what's a, a ballpark number on prize money like yeah. so say uh, whether it's you're coming out you're going into your first proper race 
that's that's going to win you money. What's a number that you know people can go? Oh shit! Really? That's like what, what, what's a prize money kind of number? Um, so if you win the overall Nutrigrain Ironman series, you get twenty grand, like ten five kind of thing for second, then third, and then you get five grand if you win a round. It's twenty five if you win the Cooling Out of Gold, and then like ten for second, twelve for second, and the Shoreham Partners Summer Surf similar to the Nutrigrain series. So yeah. like 20 and then you get like five grand. You get 10 grand per win the Shoreham yeah. Partners. It's also, so it's, it's a great incentive to it, want to win. It's a massive, it's a massively awesome period in the sport right now. Yeah. We've got two huge series, the Coolangatta Gold sponsored by Shoreham Partners as well. We've got some really passionate people in the sport that are putting a lot of money in. So, oh, there's, um, Ali Day had one of the best seasons ever by an Ironman Three years ago, he was like undefeated in the Ironman series. We couldn't beat him. And he won <laughs> Deep down, you're hating that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like so frustrated. Yeah, I, I can't speak for him. But if you say if you won all rounds like that, you'd, you'd be well over 200, 250 kind yeah. of thing. And and with the strong partners the way it is now, possibly even more. That's if you're just the best season ever. You know mm. what I mean? So, yeah, it's it's we're very lucky that finally because it's such an awesome sport to watch it's you're never the even if you're the best guy there you're not always going to win we raced the last round of the shoreham partners summer surf at northcliffe in february and it was like 10 foot it was so hectic you know like um you could be out in front by a kilometer and you're going to get smoked and just if the wave breaks it's just the it's just the way it goes but your skills and you normally see the best guys come to the front because you just you play the percentage game. You you execute skills according to the ratio of like, you know, the percentage of which way is better than that and you know, okay, well waves are breaking there like sixty percent of the time. Over here's twenty five percent. It looks good sometimes, but you know, so you you, you do all those kind of percentage chances yeah. on the fly, make those decisions and yeah, hopefully go well, but sometimes you may not. So yeah. it's really exciting to watch from a, a spectator standpoint. Yeah. It's like swimming in the pool where you know this person's going to go like That's point right, three from sure. their PB or whatever. So yeah. In, in terms of lifespan in the sport, so if you're more middle of the rung kind of operator, like, and I'm sort of think of tennis for, for this example, if you're top 20 in the world, you can kind of get a, around pretty easily you can pay for you know physios and pay for support and i think you can pay for a lot more than that if you're top 20 <laughs> in the world in tennis yeah <laughs> but, but they say like even like if you're like 50 to 100 middle, yeah, and if, yeah. you're, if you're middle of the rung like although yeah it sounds like it's great prize money but if you're only making a second or third round consistently like you might just be scraping by to fly everybody over and out mm. like if you're middle of the rung in your sport is it quite a difficult sport to stay in for a long period of time oh absolutely yeah our, our sport's incredibly top-ended i was talking about you know winning races and coming second or third which is incredibly hard to do yeah even even for you know the top guys yeah. so yeah it's a huge drop off probably more so than tennis you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. so yeah a lot of the a lot of the guys work part-time you know they're they're apprentice tradies or they're tradies i did my teaching degree as well so i do a lot of relief teaching in the off season i steer clear of it during the season because we just the training volumes really get hurt if you're working but uh yeah so something to fall back on there um a lot of the guys lifeguard as well it's a really good match obviously because yep. You, you don't you sit there but you've got these really awesome skills that you're probably the best yeah. lifeguard on the beach so for sure <laughs> yeah yeah so you got yeah. that you got that income as well definitely need to support if you're if you're kind of coming fifth to tenth in the Ironman series you're you're a very very good Ironman yeah. but you're not going to be making your enough income to live off which probably. is unbelievable to think about it is yeah like it's a brutal how clo- sport. like how yeah. close you're getting yeah. but there's no 
financial reward at the end. Yeah, yeah like you said, in athletics, um, even if you're going over to Europe and you're probably the best Australian, yeah. you know, many Olympic sports aren't, they just you yeah. don't make that much money unless you've got that personality on social media, you're really selling yourself, which is, you know, kind of a profession on its on it, in itself. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, you've got to really be open-minded. But the, like I was saying in, in this in this day and age, like you, you, you've got so many options to, you know, host a podcast or become you know not an influencer but have a nice angle on social media yeah. you can really promote and get people in on your story you know start start sharing a bit more because people love sport people love the you know the vulnerability of it and i saw one of the with the best triathlete in the world gustav eden from norway he had a horrible race on the weekend and just wrote this huge post about how shattered he was and you know Par- paris olympics is his, one of his last shots to win an olympic title next year you know, people love to watch that mm, journey. Course, and that's yeah. that's a way to produce income if you if you can find it. And yeah. and as viewers, like followers, when when you, you when you're following an athlete, whether it's footy or, or in your sport, when I'm following someone, you want them to show their real, mm. authentic self. That the more they show, the more you invest time watching and following them. So, and we notice that now with with the content, some of the the bigger footy clubs, you know, both you know NRL, AFL, and even now with Netflix, you know, you see there's a new docker. I think it's called Breakpoint, and it's tennis mm. and behind the scenes the more they show us the more we are invested in it that's um, right i'd love to know mate i guess and this can be more personal so you said so your partner is also an athlete too yeah so yeah. did you say she was running a marathon yeah she's a, she's an iron woman as well. oh, so yeah. she's on yeah. so th- th- well, this maybe defeats the purpose of the question <laughs> but i was going to say in that scenario right your routine your sport what you do it, that's your lip that that's what you do for for a crust, as we like to say, how important is it to be with someone that gets it? And also, in your case, well, she also does it. But you know, well, how hard would it be being with someone that doesn't? Yeah, yeah, I think about it all the time. You know, how lucky I am to to have found someone within the sport, and it's probably not even luck. It's probably you know essential because I'm we're in bed like at eight o'clock, like sometimes yeah. before, and then you're up at four forty-five. You know, and you're you're always just talking about you know what could we eat we don't talk about training or racing as such but we talk about you know how could we eat better what what could we do here or you know this is interesting this podcast is cool you know a lot of like similarities there definitely don't talk shop as such but just just a similar passion and a way of life so yeah really important like i was saying the cold of surf life saving has a lot of couples in the sport for that reason Brielle was obviously up with me. She swims in the morning every morning as well. So, what, what was her name? Brielle Cooper. Her name is Brielle. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess think about it the other way around. Would it be how hard would it be being with someone that if she wasn't in the sport, how how would that affect your performance? Do you think? Oh, I don't think it would be negatively as no. such. It's just um, yeah, they just need to be understanding yeah. of the fact that yeah, you just don't like you don't have a lot of energy. Sometimes you're very flat most weekends. I was saying I just went to Morton on the weekend. I try and get away as much as I can over winter because my training's a little bit less. I've actually got – I can go out and do stuff on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday, you know, function because, Mm. yeah, just energy levels, food intake. I don't know. This wouldn't negatively affect you. A lot of people have relationships outside of it, but they'd have to be really flexible and understanding of something they don't know like well because you can't explain the feeling of – when we're training, you know, max volume weeks, it's 16 sessions and wow. all you can think of is like it's like a job, right, mentally stimulating and you come home and you kind of want to talk about what happened in the office or what happened at school or whatever. Um, but then you've also got this physical aspect where you're just dead beyond words. You know, you've had four coffees and you still just like can barely keep your eyes open for dinner. Yeah. You know, like it's hard to explain that kind of fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, well, it's good is that understanding there too like i can't imagine mm. like you said what it'd be like if if 
she was working nine to five office job and she was full of energy when she came home and you're yeah. like yeah. let's have, let's have a that. beer yeah. 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 and it's not like let's play board game yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah great yeah. trivial yeah. pursuit um, outside of these days outside of the sport I want to hear more about yourself so what, what are your passions I mean you've mentioned obviously getting away and, and, and sport and, and mates but what, what, what do you do with your spare time what, where are your passions where do they lie when you come out of the sport when you exit out of it where, where do you see it kind of going yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, Cooper, yeah, Cooper Chapman, I was listening to mention networking and meeting new yeah. people. And I was just, I'm so thankful for that, for that part of the career. It's like meeting so many different people and having mates in many different circles. And yeah, I'll, that's a massive passion for me is like, you know, just hanging out with different guys like Kai Morton or, you know, Pooley and, you know, hanging yeah. out with his daughter and things like that. And I live on the beach at Mermaid, you know, I surf and I fish, live the whole Gold Coast lifestyle and my dog, Isla's like my best friend as well. So, you know, just little things like that. Well, I, in regards to like when I retire, I, I just don't know, you know. I like to keep an open mind and just keep, like I said, taking those little steps and finding your passions, finding your way because it's definitely not clear to me now. I'm, I'm, you know, I teach maths. I, I do love teaching maths. I love, you know, hanging out with the boys at TSS down the road on relief days and that could be pathway as well but it might not. You know, I really want to make sure that, yeah, you don't, don't miss that tiny little decision that could lead you down a path that, yeah, you find something really weird and like surf life-saving, a professional Ironman yeah. for a Tasmanian, you know, like yeah, they're, a weird, they're, they're a weird thing you might not see in two years' yeah. time. So, yeah. What, oh, sorry. Were you gonna no, go? you go. Yeah. I was just going to say, can you can you enjoy a beer or a block of chockey or what? Like, what's what's the discipline? Obviously, you said from a young age you were super disciplined and I'm sure that that would have meant diet, that would have meant training, that would have meant sleep, recovery, all of it. Mm. Now, you know, you're there, you're at the pinnacle, you're exactly, you know, what, what you've been training for. Can you enjoy a few of those things now that you're, you know, you're there? Yeah, absolutely. I saw it, the AFL posted a, a video of Gary Ablett when he was like 10 and they said, they literally posted it yesterday and they said, oh, uh, how'd you play today? He goes, oh, I could have got a few more kicks, you know. Like he probably dominated that day. <laughs> yeah. But, and like I look as soon as you said that now, I'm like, yeah, I could be way more disciplined. Like I have heaps of ears, you know. Like I, <laughs> yeah, you know. And I, I don't like I'm very healthy, and you know, the off season on Saturday nights, I'll I'll have a beer and stuff, and even during season, I'll have a couple. But you always think you can be better, and I think that's just an athlete mindset. It's just always you want to be improving. So definitely sport in terms of the volume that you can eat a lot of what you kind of want to eat you know, you know things like that and so you so you can eat like yeah typically the the calories that you're burning you know what what you're you need to you need to put more in massive yeah yeah, yeah. um it's something that actually i'm going to work walk towards this call and go to goal of the four-hour race coming up is um working on my fat burning efficiency so at the moment i don't know it's not entirely recent but you want to you want to try and teach your body to burn fats rather than carbs. You can yeah. always put carbs in. I'll be taking a gel during the race, but the better fat burning you are, the better you're in the the dire straits. Yeah. The race. So I'll be like nights leading into the gold in October. I'll be cutting back on the carbs. So I'll carb load through the day, and then for dinner I'll be having steak and salad, and just trying to get full of protein and fats, so that when I swim for that two hours in the morning and then do a run on the back of it. I'll be burning fat and teaching my so, body. So you'll to be doing a, a keto diet, essentially. Yeah, pretty much from from night to morning, just yeah. to make sure I'm doing that session on zero carbs. Yeah, yeah. So things like that, but like off season, you know, during summer when I'm sprinting and stuff like that, I'm 
not smashing a block of chocolate a night or anything, but yeah. Yeah. How many calories are you putting in a day? Like when you're competing, oh. do, do, you, do you count them? Do you measure them? And how many for, like do you physically need? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, I wear the whoop every day and yeah. like chewing up like 5,000 calories wow. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So Really? Yeah, because it's just such a high That's, that's a few Big Macs. Yeah. 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 <laughs> get away with whatever I want after that. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm already at 4,000 for the day, actually. Wow. I was swimming around wow. this morning. So yeah, yeah it's – yeah. Not too, not too strict there, but something that you can always be better at. So, give us an example. What's the what's the food like today? Yeah. So this morning I got home and I had like just three eggs on avocado and I grated some cheese on the avocado. Oh, lovely. So I've been fasting all day and I'm starving. <laughs> so this is killing me. Whole avo, yeah. eggs, some yeah barbecue sauce on the top. Oh. And then um, <laughs> was just hanging out at the bakery. Then got like a chicken. Got one of those like like chicken tie roll, you know, with cucumber and chili. Oh, what, like a bar meat, like a roll? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's Yum. it. Sorry, yeah. bar And yeah. yeah, so I had one of those and then got a couple of donuts as well that I shared with the family that I was with. So. <laughs> yeah, you did, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. I shared them. Yeah. Were they so, jam or just? Yeah, jam and Nutella. I got one of each. Oh, yeah. oh my God. It's this oriental bakery in Mermaid yeah. Beach. It's off its head. So We've got a bakery right near us. Well, we're actually in Cabrita, a little bit further, but there's a bakery right. And we went there this morning and Garner got something and I just smelt it. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. We'll do it off season, so yeah. Nuts. And then dinner. So for dinner, yeah, well, I'm smashing the carbs at the moment. But what did we have last night? Yeah, we had chicken schnitzels and sweet potato and stuff. Yeah, steaks, nice. yeah. pastas, lasagna, any kind of stuff. Yeah. When, when you stop, like when you exit out, will you have to really cut back, or will your body? Negative, would there be a negative effect? Or? Very good question. <laughs> it's so frustrating. You watch different people retire. Like yeah. my mate Pulley retired two years ago and he's just a twig. He like cuts back, you know, oh. like he, he loses weight when he retires. You okay. know, he lose muscle. So yeah. like he gets skinnier and I'll, I'll hold pilot on. So yeah. I need to be, I'm going to have to be careful when I retire. And you would, you got to adapt. Like you see a lot of swimmers because um, their calorie, caloric intake is probably yeah. even bigger than ours. And you need to get your body used to like you don't eat carbs, you know, and yeah. you train your body to to burn different things. Yeah. So yeah, it's um something I have to. <laughs> well, do, well, do you guys remember in 08, it was the Beijing Olympics, and you remember Michael Phelps? Yeah, remember yeah. all that? Yeah, and there was I think that they, were t- they were saying something along. Wait, the lines wait, wait. What what is this? Basically, he would he would eat almost ten thousand calories a day Ooh. because. That's how much he was burning. And the, the food he was eating was just rubbish. Like It was Maccas, eh? Yeah, like it was Maccas and pancakes Maccas, and burgers. Yeah. and like. You were, but he was, he was winning every gold medal there was. Wow. Australian Ninja Warrior. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We oh, saw Now, how did this come about? It was a few years yeah. ago now. Yeah. Uh, and what, what was that like? How did you go? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Did you do well? Yeah, no, this is a great question because Nutrigain stitched it up. They had a relationship with Channel 9 at the time and they said, listen, we're going to get you on the show. I was like, yes, yeah, cool, but I can't do that stuff. Like I in the water, I don't want to <laughs> stay out of it, you know. So, yeah, they said, no, no, you don't even have to go, well, it's an ad. So before and after you jump on, we're going to do the ship stands footage, which you can look on YouTube. And the, I think the helicopter toll as well. So they're going to put it all on there as a Nutrigrain ad, you know, and me uh, just me just being on the show was an excuse for him to show, you know, that was my background. Uh, so so the, here's the worst part though. So <laughs> when you go on the show, you're not guaranteed to be on TV. Yeah. They get like 75 people a night to go through and they pick the most exciting story according to like, say if you had a really good story and you go terrible, they might still put you on because you had a really good story. But yeah. if you have a moderate bad story but go really well you know they'll put you on yeah so they adapt on the fly whereas i was definitely going to be on 
So I was one of the guys that like had a really good story and even if I go bad, they're going to show you. Yeah. So, and I knew that. It wasn't like when you go in with a bad story, you know you're not going to be on unless you go well. Yeah. So like no one ever goes, no one ever looks bad if you know what I mean. So yeah, yeah, I was yeah. on. And um, <laughs> yeah, that I was is, If someone there, else does something bad, they're like, well, I'm not going to be on. And they won't show you on. Correct. So yeah. the flames went off and I remember I was passed out. I was so nervous. It was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. And these flames went off and I was like, oh, God. And, um, yeah, anyway, I got through like four different things. So I went over the steps, did the trampoline onto the swingy thing, ran over the blades and then door knob thingies were really slippery and I fell off on them. So yeah. I was like, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I got over the blades, I was like, you're kidding. I haven't embarrassed myself on national TV. Yeah. So, yeah, it was all right. Oh, good. That's hilarious. Do you want to do some fan questions? Mate, let's get into it. Let's do that. You okay. First, let's start with underscore poppy underscore dot underscore smith underscore poppy smith thanks for writing a question <laughs> how do you get boards and skis across the country oh a good question so we have a couple of methods say if we we have nationals in perth in march and we loaded a 40 foot container for our surf club so what yeah it's a lot of money these these clubs it's forty thousand dollars i think to get that yeah get that container wow. over to perth and yeah there's there's a lot of containers over there for national titles so wow it's actually the biggest sporting event in australia is our national titles so we have from 14 year olds 13 year olds all the way through to masters and they race we race for like nine days on scarborough beach wow. so yeah it's like five six thousand nine days throughout that yeah. nine days yeah yeah so yeah shipping container or trailers that's unbelievable uh stew duff how close were you to making it in the AFL? <laughs> do you know who's a mate? You know yeah, him? no, he's a good mate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, the Bombers, um, you know, guys, if you're listening, I'll, I'll come and have a kick still. But <laughs> They're going right this year, the Bombers. <laughs> they are. You yeah, must be really, excited really about exciting that. exciting to watch, yeah. Anzac Day, you wouldn't have wanted to be in my little unit. So oh, really? I was just screaming, yeah. Well, you, it was bad the last quarter, but... Are you, you know, a loud supporter? Collingwood with three quarters. Yeah. Like, we played electric footy. <laughs> it, was just, it was so good to watch. But yeah, I was not close to making footy. I like, I like to say I was, but um, yeah, like like I was saying off air, like playing with Huey when I was younger, I kind of realised what the AFL level of junior footy looked like and where I was. So yeah, it was just a massive passion. Still is. I think I've found it again when I actually um, first left home as to chase the Ironman dream, I was still very bitter because I couldn't play AFL. Yeah. And I didn't like to watch it. It was painful to watch. Really? Yeah, really? yeah. Because I, I went to watch a few games, 16, 17. Dad's good friends grew up with the Gales, Brendan and Michael. So oh, okay. they took us to a few yeah. games. They're Tassie boys. Just felt that atmosphere at the ground, you know, like nothing else you could ever experience. And just, um, yeah, every time I turned it on, I was like, oh, my God, imagine what it would be like being out there. So I couldn't watch it. Yeah. I, I cannot oh, remember wow. Hawthorne winning those premierships. I just didn't watch AFL. Really? Back. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, and just developed the. I hated Hawthorne winning all those, so you probably didn't miss yeah, out didn't too miss much. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think you could see yourself following Tassie when they come in? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you reckon you'll change oh. your allegiance, or there'll just be a? I think it'd be a bit of both. Surely yeah. you have to be both. Yeah. 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 It'll be both, but it's I good think to see them have a team. That's though. just incredible for the sport. You Massive. know, people. A lot up here talk about, oh, yeah, but they're just going to be like G- G- um, sons or well, what do, What do you like, think about yeah. Tassie having it? Like people yeah. say, oh, well. It's north, it's, west, it's, south and all that well, stuff. Well, that, but also like surely they won't get enough people. Like why are players going to want to go to Tassie? Like all mm. that kind of, like what do you think of that? Yeah, it's it's a, it's been a tough period for AFL the last, you know, decade, well, every decade for the last, you know, 20 years because it's just such a massive state. It's four and a half hours each way and they've, they've gone from TSL to regional league to TSL back and forth and nothing's worked. 
and the the quality's dropped out recently. Like when I my draft years, the Giants started their team. You yeah, had okay. guys like Sam Darley, Huey Greenwood, Josh Green. Sammy Darley, haven't heard that name in a while. Lots of yeah. lots of guys like Liam Jones. He was oh he was, yeah, he was our age. Yeah, and yeah, there was a lot Mitch of Robinson. You know, we we oh, had yeah. these quality years where we're getting a lot of draft picks a year. We yeah. haven't had a few in a while, but. It's it's not due, it's just because of that system and we need that flow we need that inspiration and once you do you'll see these kids come through again you know like mm. Jack Rewald like of course it's, remember yeah. watching him kick off I was the same school I was in grade six and oh, yeah yeah I was at the senior school watching him kick a ball at grade ten and it's just like <laughs> what is that you know just drilling passes from that fifty meters yeah you know, it was grade ten so wow James Dot McGlass. McGlasson, I think we're going with. Do you chain through niggles and risk making it worse or do you quickly take some time off? Yeah, definitely do take time off, yeah. And now that i am been in the sport a long time, you're so in tune with your body. You know sickness so well. You're, yeah. like, you're only slightly off and you can just feel it. Yeah, okay. Um, it's really important to learn that understanding of your body as quickly as you can, especially in sport, just to, to know when you need time off. When you're younger... <laughs> Yeah, I definitely listened to my coach and grinded, you know, to the ground. But it's definitely something you need to be so aware of to listen to those little niggles. Because at the end of the day, if, if you if you grinded into tendonitis or something that ended up mm. six yeah. weeks instead of two or one light week instead of, you know, six weeks off, it's um, massively beneficial if you can do that. Do you have a worse injury? <laughs> like the- uh, I broke some ribs, got a got a ski rudder to the ribs when I was skiing the ski. So that was that was a lot of fun. They're very painful. Oh, so, but uh, apart from that, I've been quite lucky. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I've never really missed. I haven't missed any Nutrigain rounds throughout the the whole career. And wow, yeah, yeah wow. done a lot of the cool and get a golds too. I think I've only missed a couple of them. Which yeah, okay. Not many of us do because it's such a very very much further than the rest of the races. Yeah. So, yeah. Ham Sut 09. Was it hard coming from a small state like Tassie to become a professional athlete? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, um, it was incredibly difficult, but there were benefits. You know, every story, every kind of trial is, is beneficial for a brand or for your own motivation because, you know, you've done it harder or, you know, like I've said a few times throughout the, throughout the show, like it's, um, yeah, brands took me to California for it or training up here is easiest, the easiest stuff I've ever done because, you know, the stuff I did in Tassie was the hardest I've ever done. It's never going to get as hard as that. Yeah. So every little trial you overcome is just that, you know, it's that bank. It's that investment in your future and it will never be harder again. And, yeah, it's just steps forward, isn't it? So mm. um, it was hard, but the reason why I'm so successful now is because of that, because of that tough. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but I'm going to go with Daily Tiger or Tiger. Why did you choose race one over Cracker Surf Craft? <laughs> There's a couple that's got the Cracker in here. So. Yeah, what is, yeah, what's that? Yeah, so it's it's different manufacturers in our sport. So, oh. Cracker, so it's like in tennis oh, going gotcha. from Wilson to Babylon. Gotcha. Correct. Yeah, gotcha. so it's a big shift in big brands. <laughs> oh, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is big. Ooh. Oh, yeah, Ooh. there's big ripples in the sport really? in this transition. Yeah, okay. yeah absolutely. Oh, tell so, me more. Um, so <laughs> manufacturers in our sport haven't really ever paid athletes. They've always just given very expensive and quality gear to athletes. And uh, recently, you know, we've had this very passionate um, guy, Earl Evans, come in with Sean Partners and just incredibly generous and, you know, wants to support the sport. So not only is he a sponsor of the sport, the Shoreham Partners, but he's, he's you know, he's, he's invested in Race 1 Surfcraft and he wants... He wants an A team and he wants to make the best craft in the business. So gotcha. very, very passionate to 
yeah, just build the sport, make it bigger mm. in all ways, not just the sport but the craft. He wants to break new boundaries in making faster gear, you know, and just yeah, put, cool. put the sport on a pedestal. So that it quite aligned with me, you know, like the support he's given the sport, like I said, is just incredible at the moment for, for kids from under 15s getting, you know, they get prize money, they get gear. Wow. You know, they, he provides a pathway to make the sport bigger. So I did switch. I jumped off the cracker and jumped on the race one and copped a few messages. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, you know, I suppose any publicity is good publicity, but it was <laughs> a hard right. decision. That, you know, I'd yeah. won all these um, crackers looked after me since I was a kid in Tassie. So didn't break, didn't break um, up with them harshly or anything you know it was very understanding yeah, so just one of those um, things yeah and yeah. That, they make a quality board as well so i've got to go out there this year and try and beat the crackers so, yeah um with my race one competitors so it's, now. it's all, it's all nerve yeah. it's all it's all nerves for me all the pressure's on me so hopefully go all right lexi.harv and this is a very broad question but we'll, we, we can i'm sure we can narrow it down so the question is what inspired you to keep going so let's maybe yeah maybe mm. put it as what inspires you to to get up and, and do that routine and go and go each and every day. Mm. Uh, and uh, it, it definitely changes throughout your whole period, whatever goals you're chasing and changing all the time. And you want to you want to be really in tune with those and why you're doing what you're doing. And it's never going to be the same thing. It's always changing. And and you, the reason you keep changing as well and noticing new inspirations is because it might create, create that different path. Like yeah. um, it could be any kind of weird way. So just being mindful of, you know, what's changing? Why do I do things? So... Don't be pushing it for if the passion's not there. Like I knew I I loved the sport. I loved enjoying those races in summer, like in the middle of winter when it was pitch black and freezing cold. I'd picture, you know, beautiful sun, three-foot wave at Aussies on the Gold Coast where I have to race the mainlanders. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah. Like you got to picture where that goal is and what's going to happen on that day because that's why you're putting the hard yards there and then. And now I'm professional and I've, you know, drawn on all that. I've done all that. You know, I go to swimming and I'm like, I need to I need to really fix the finish on my swim stroke. I need to force that 10%, you know, like I need to, you know, the tiny little things that will make me that little bit better and I might feel, you know, go for that that feel that I've never felt before, that strength or that streamline position that I've never felt before or some anything new that's going to keep inspiring you. So it's a, yeah, it's a hard answer, yeah. I suppose. Well, but it's a hard question. Yeah, yeah. it's a hard but question a good question because you yeah. just want to always be in tune with whatever you're inspired by. Is it results? Is it hanging out with your mates? Is it a fine-tuned event win? Which which event win is it? Yeah. So, yeah, make sure those goals are so so specific. Yeah. Well, mate, it's been going over an hour. It's been unbelievable so far. <laughs> I've got probably one more before we, we take up too much of your time. But right. when it's all said and done and you look back, is there one more thing that you would love to tick off? So if in a perfect world... When you sit back in 10, 15, 20 years' time and, it's, and, you're, and you're reflecting on your career, is there one thing that you'd just love to have on that trophy cabinet that you can still tick off? Well, I want to run the AFL field. <laughs> yeah. Get Huey Brad Greenwood Scott, involved. Brad still it? listening. No, <laughs> we might be able to run out with the Bombers as a mascot or, you know, that might be out. Yeah, you know, yeah. Toss the coin, you yeah, know, yeah. that's how we could. I think, I think Matt's going to have a great, you know, even if it's local, a good AFL career or footy career after it's all said and done yeah, too. Yeah, that'd be fun. No, I'm just saying it's not, it's not that sort of a point. But um, I think winning that, like I said, that winning that Australian title is is really important to me. Like it, yep. it shows that you you're really one of the best Ironman to ever go through and to get all three of those titles incredibly hard, four hours, an hour, and then 10 minutes. You know, it's, you just, 
Any mm. any professional sportsman know how knows how in tune you are with whatever you're doing because you get thrown an AFL ball, I can't play it, you know, like or you get thrown a tennis racket or whatever it is. It's so hard to adapt to whatever the training is that you've been doing. So, sure. yeah, getting those three is a massive goal of mine for the rest of my career. Yep. I'll be trying to get that Australian title, but just um, loving what I'm doing. So lucky and grateful to be f- professional. I'm in this space, you know, like on the Gold Coast and. Yeah, to hopefully inspire those kids in Tassie and whoever's doing it tough, you know, that's probably the main message of my career has been I've been able to learn and, you know, just keep improving no matter what my starting ability was because it wasn't great. Um, No natural ability, that's for sure, but it's just, yeah, it's been, yeah, learning through passion and lucky enough to have found my passion, so. Well, I'm now thinking, right, my brain's churning and and I'm just thinking about, potentially when D comes back up. I think you've got the same thought that I've got. Is maybe – now, with our other former guests, we've done some challenges, right? Yep. Some like, you know, we mentioned Coops. He took us – it was a, we do DOS vs D, right? That's our oh, YouTube yeah. series. Yeah. And uh, so we've done DOS vs D in quite a few different challenges. And we did, you know, we did a surfing challenge D, unfortunately. Got me. That was actually right near your house, Mermaid Beach. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you might have seen us failing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, what, what were some of the other challenges? We've done we've done uh, Nitro Circus um, stunts with Cam Sinclair. That was pretty oh, cool. We've been, yeah. yeah, been in a few footy ones, a lot of yeah. quizzes. Yeah. Um, uh, but maybe we might you might be able to take us through some uh, yeah. some I don't know something in your caper, DOS vs D. Maybe in, in next time we're up here potentially. Absolutely, that's it, easy. We'll throw in a couple of paddle boards or. Actually, we could put you on one of the surf skis. They're they're pretty difficult. But, um, yeah, we could give that. That'd be funny. Yeah. Do you know what I love to do too with Matt? You know, just to feed into his love of AFL. Maybe next time I'm up, we can organise a bit of a DOS VD versus Matt, and maybe even bring in a couple of our mates from Gold Coast or Brisbane Lions and do a bit of a AFL golfing. Yeah, challenge. that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, see yeah. if uh, get one of the Suns boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, Suns boy we, we got a couple. In, uh, yeah, we, we got a couple. We got one coming on tomorrow. So, oh, yeah, perfect. we'll see. Very good. We'll see, we'll see if we can t- tee something up. Yeah. yeah. But awesome. Matt, I've really thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Yeah. It's been so much fun. It's um, there's just so much to take out for those listening as well. I want to commend you for you know, not only just what you do, but the, the kind of guy you are. Because clearly, you know, come in here, spend an hour with us, and just be so open, have a laugh. So, mate, really appreciate your time, and um, I've had a ball. Me too. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Thanks, Matt. wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And, of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And, of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, D? It's at Dawson D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you in the next episode.